Welcome to the System Speak podcast, a podcast about dissociative identity disorder. If you are new to the podcast, we recommend starting at the beginning episodes and listen in order to hear our story and what we have learned through this endeavor. Current episodes may be more applicable to longtime listeners and are likely to contain more advanced topics, emotional or other triggering content, and or reference earlier episodes that provide more context to what we are currently learning and experiencing. As always, please care for yourself during and after listening to the podcast. Thank you. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for talking to us today. I was glad to meet you in Florida, and so it's fun to talk to a system that I've actually met. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm really excited. It was really awesome to see you. I'm really glad that you came. It was um, a pretty powerful experience for the conference, but I know that it took us a while to actually connect because we were so scared. (laughs) We had so yeah, much no, anxiety. No, I understand. Like, my first conference, I was pretty terrified the whole time. <laughs> but um, I'm glad that you guys came anyway. We were able to meet. Well, go ahead, just for the sake of the podcast, and tell us about your system or yourself or whatever you want to do as far as an introduction. Sure. Hello, so I am Scarlett, the host of the Labyrinth System. We are a system of about 14 um, who has been diagnosed for about five years now. How, what was your process of getting a diagnosis? Um, so for us, we were identified as um, having DID at, at 15, uh, which we were lucky to be identified so early. And um, then we were given a more official diagnosis um, at uh, uh, 16, I believe. And that was um, through the test uh, called the SCID-D. And we were given that test because our insurance wanted us to have a more official diagnosis um, in order to give us the treatment that we needed. Did that make a difference? Um, For us, I mean, it was, it made a difference. Um, It was validating for sure um, because the SCID-D was a test that was given to, um, they they did quite a few studies on it. Uh, One of the studies they did, it was given to people with schizophrenia people who were pretending to have DID and people who had DID, and it was shown to um, just diagnose the people with DID. So um, it was definitely validating for us. And um, it was, also, like I said, it really helped us get the treatment that we needed with our insurance. Um, and uh, it was a very long process. It was about a six-hour interview. Um, so it was it was pretty exhausting, but like I said, it was definitely worth it. Oh wow, six hours—that's intense. So, are you still in treatment now? Uh, yes, we are. Uh, we actually are ju- almost done with a um, intensive outpatient program that we've been doing. It was uh, three days a week um, 
from 9 to 12, and it was very, very helpful. Um, and right now we're taking medication, and we are looking for a trauma therapist in the area. Takes our insurance. We've been having a little trouble finding a trauma therapist that's taking our insurance, um, that works with people with DID, that is taking new clients, uh, but we're hoping to find somebody very soon. Oh, I know that that's a hard thing. We have to drive four hours to get to our therapist. So yeah, it's, it's brutal. It's definitely, it's definitely a common experience for people with DIE, which is really unfortunate. Uh, there definitely should be more resources, and hopefully in the future, as people understand DID better, there will be. I hope so. How, how would you explain, without being, I don't want to be overly intrusive, but without, without over-disclosing, how would you explain to listeners the difference between outpatient, intensive outpatient, and inpatient? Um, so intensive outpatient is um, a program that you go to that you can go home uh, after you're done. So there's actually um, three levels. There's inpatient which is where you are hospitalized and you stay there at the hospital and you have a bed uh, and you aren't able to leave. And then there is partial hospitalization and that program, um, again, it depends on the facility that you go to, but for our facility, it was five days a week uh, from nine to three and we were doing that. Um, and then afterwards you get to go home uh, and on the weekends, you don't have to go in. And then intensive outpatient is the three days a week program. Um, and basically, the difference is uh, you, it's a lot more intensive therapy. The whole time you're there, you're doing therapy, like group therapy, uh, versus inpatient, which is more about just the stabilization aspect. Uh, and you get to go home when you're not there doing the work. So you've been through the whole process. Yes, yeah, we were actually, um, this past year, starting in, um, I believe, November, we were hospitalized and gone inpatient about five times, so um, we've been having a lot going on uh, lately as far as our mental health, um, but now, thanks to a test called the GeneSight test, um, which tests your genetics to see which medications will work best for you. We are finally on medications that work for us, uh, which is really amazing. That is amazing. That's a bit of a breakthrough for you all. Yeah, no, it's a huge breakthrough. Um, we are, we found out through this test, we're very medication resistant. Uh, like there's only two antidepressants out of um, the dozens that exist that actually work for us. Um, we've been on medication since we were seven. So it, it's definitely, it's a huge, huge breakthrough. We're big advocates about the gene site test and um, teaching people about medication resistance now. That's amazing. I'll put a link in the blog to that as well so people can see more what you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. So how was DID presented to you? I don't mean internally, but from when you were getting diagnosed, how did they say this is what we think is going on and what it's called and what it means. So after our um, first ever hospitalization when we were 15, 
um, we started seeing a new therapist. Uh, and I believe within the first few sessions, uh, she suspected that we had DID, but um, she didn't really present it to us as possibly having DID until session like eight or nine. Um, and she asked, she asked questions like, you know, how many people do you have inside of you and things like that? Uh, and it was the first time that we had gotten any kind of validation and from a mental health level that we had, um, dissociative identity disorder or something going on mental health wise. Um, and so it was, it was really exciting. Um, and then she gave us some information on DID, uh, as well as like, um, talking to our mom and giving our mom some information on DID. And she, um, like I said, she was very, she had seen several people with DID before. So she was very, um, understanding of what DID looked like and what it was. And, um, she, it was definitely at first very validating for us. And then, um, our host at the time went into a bit of a denial for a while, uh, which made things, I think you're not going to find somebody with DID who hasn't really gone into a denial <laughs> at some point, Right. but yeah. Yeah. Uh, she went into a denial for a while, uh, but eventually we were able to get things situated and uh, start actual treatment for our DID. How did you get from learning about DID to starting this internet sensation? <laughs> uh, so I think... For us, it was definitely um, the experiences we had, even with, like, especially with mental health professionals, that um, encouraged us to want to educate people. Um, like, for example, there was um, one thing that really stuck out with us um, after um, we are one of our suicide attempts, we were in the emergency room in the hospital, uh, and the the head psych doctor that was on call came into the room and he said, "I see that you're diagnosed with DID. Is that when you forget who you are, or is that when you pretend to be other people?" And um, that, yeah, that really, <laughs> especially because we were in such a vulnerable place at the time, that really stuck in our heads. Um, and then we've had several other experiences like that and experiences like we had a friend um, who would continuously call alters characters and uh, things like that. And so just these experiences, um, we didn't want other people in the future to have to experience that, those types of experiences. And if we could do anything to kind of help a little bit uh, to raise the awareness and understanding surrounding DID and what it's like to live with DID, that's what we wanted to do. So that's kind of what led us to create our YouTube channel and do the um, advocacy that we do. It's really amazing. Did you have any idea when you started doing that that so many people would start doing channels or come out of the woodwork like they have? No, actually, I'm I'm so I'm really pleasantly surprised that that happened. Like we um when we started our channel, 
the only other person that was really doing DID advocacy was uh, Jess from Multiplicity and Me, um, like on YouTube, at least, I mean. And so we had no idea that that people would start creating their own channels. And, and then um, the Entropy System created a channel, and then um, Jeremy, an alternate perspective, and then people just continuously created channels and um, we're doing DID videos and educational videos. And I think it's so important because DID presents so differently from person to person to have the amount of channels out there that are out there now. Um, and I'm always really excited when somebody says they're going to start a channel. I think it's going a long way as far as normalizing DID and helping people understand DID. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing that you all have done. Yeah, we are definitely um and and even now we have people coming up and being like we really want to start a channel we want to start a youtube channel and educate people and i think it's very empowering for the community as a whole um one of our main goals is to help people who in the future um who get a did diagnosis feel less alone and less afraid. And I think the more videos and the more posts and the more Instagram accounts that are out there, there's more of a chance for people who are just diagnosed to find them and see that they aren't alone. How do you maintain this positive outlook and the perspective that the community should be supporting each other instead of getting caught up in drama or politics of it all? Um, so we've been in the community for, since we've been diagnosed, so five, almost six years, and um, we've kind of done the drama thing, I guess, <laughs> when we, um, and we just, we're tired of it, and we want to be able to support people and um, help anybody who's hurting or confused and help them feel um, a sense of community. And I think like we've already gone through trauma and pain and things like that. And I don't think that it's necessary for us to continue to um, hurt each other, especially because we all know what it feels like to be hurt. And um yeah, so we've, we've kind of, we've done the drama thing and we've decided we want to just focus on helping people and educating people and making people feel less alone. How do you respond to people who are unkind or, or people who are not supportive or who choose to continue to misunderstand when you've been so vulnerable and open? It used to really bother us. Um when we would get comments and things like that, um, you know, calling us fake, uh, things like just calling us crazy, things like that. But um, recently we've kind of started saving all the, there's so many more good comments than bad comments. Um, and we recently started just I, or I guess a couple years ago, started saving all these good comments and all the nice things that people send to us. And, um, like, somebody sent us their uh, Christmas card, which was amazing. <laughs> and um, it was it was really cool. And we've had people send us, like, gifts. Um, and people do drawings of people in our system. And, like, that level of, like, kindness and um, compassion towards us just 
really blows away any and all of the the bad comments that we get honestly it's a powerful thing that has surprised me in the experience with the podcast the letters and the emails and the things that come are so special and so powerful not just because not because people are saying oh you did a good job but because there's connection with actual people who are in the journey of healing with you and there's something about the connection of the community and support that way that's really powerful and when you have that connection of or the collection of the kind things people have say have said or the things that they have sent um, and how it's changing their lives there's something about that that gives courage somehow just to keep going in the everyday life much less on trying to advocate or educate against such criticism oh i i totally agree um i think that some of the most powerful things that people have sent us and and commented are people who say you know you've helped me a lot um you've made me feel less alone you've helped me understand myself and my did and my alters and you've helped my system be able to communicate better and things like that like the amount of people that say that we help them um it's it's overwhelming but in a in a positive way i would say what is what are some of the best things that have come out of your experience on YouTube in a, in a good way as far as educating and advocating? I think, um, well, some of the best things is um, actually like we have our friends who would watch the videos and they would get a better understanding of DID through our videos. Um, and even we've had other people we've met with DID um, who are now friends that um, actually live in the area because um, – Orlando is is a pretty big place for people with DID. Um, I've met uh, quite a few other people with DID here in Orlando. Um, I think that that has a lot to do with an infinite mind. But, um, yeah, we've had, like, um, friends who didn't really understand our watch our videos and then come back and use correct terminology and use, um, like, understanding. And I think that that makes a big difference um, because if our friends are doing that, I, I can assume that other people's friends are doing that as well. And, uh, our hope is to help people understand DID better. One of, one thing that we really like, our goal is that somebody can come out as DID to their friends, uh, and their friends are just like, Oh, okay, cool. I'd love to meet your alters. Just understand it. Um, and, somebody with DID doesn't have to defend themselves or completely explain everything. Uh, and that's, that's a goal that we have for the future. And I think we, there's a chance that we could get there, you know, with the amount of people doing advocacy and stuff. That's powerful. What have you learned that you didn't know before? Um, I definitely, a lot of times, um, watching other people's channels, I have learned, that I'm not alone in a lot of things I experience. Like, for example, we have quite a few non-human alters. Um, and when we were first diagnosed, we um, weren't sure if that was a, like a normal thing to, to have. Um, but watching other people's videos about non-human alters and also having non-human alters has definitely helped us feel less anxious and less 
um, nervous about ourselves having so many um, non-human alters in our system. There's, again, there's that sense of connection that comes from community. Yes, I totally agree. Um, that's why the conference, uh, the Healing Together Conference, is one of our favorite things. Um, because it's every year you go, it's like so powerful to have such a community gathered in one place um, and have people being in, I like saying like being in the majority versus the minority. It's a really powerful thing. That was a special experience. I saw um, people learning there. I saw people taking notes and things. I saw people asking hard questions. I saw littles playing. I saw people being safe when they needed some self-care, like a woman literally taking a time out on the floor and just everything and it not being a big deal to anyone, everyone just being respectful and there were so many good things in that way as far as the experience of the conference. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's very nice, like like at one point um, we, we uh, during the conference was around the time that we were struggling a lot um, and dealing with our hospitalizations. And at one point, we just kind of had to go into a corner and just breathe, and we were kind of crying. And somebody came up to us and asked if they could um, sit with us uh, and just kind of be there for us. And that was really powerful and um, definitely made us feel less embarrassed, less alone. And um that somebody cared about us and it was really it was really powerful that's special even in that setting to just not be alone yeah for sure um that's why we i mean and it was our i believe it was our fourth conference uh which is is really exciting we actually were able to go our first year when we were 17 um because jamie had made an exception because uh, we were gonna we were about to turn 18 and um it was, it was one of our first times, like we had only met, I think one other person with DID uh, the first time that we went to the conference um, in person, we had only met one other person with DID and it was amazing um, to meet so many other people that were understanding and knew in, in a lot of ways exactly what we were experiencing going through. What else do you think people still need to know about DID or about advocating for DID? Um, one thing I think is really important to note uh, is that for people who are um, hoping to be DID advocates and creating channels and everything like that, uh, as far as working with the media, um, you know, especially like the media like mainstream media, like uh, we did a Cosmo a article a while back. Um, it's really important to have boundaries and set boundaries and um, make sure that the people that you are working with are willing to follow a certain amount of boundaries. Uh, like, for example, we have a set list of boundaries saying things like we don't want our words misconstrued. We don't want um, we our goal is to educate, not sensationalize. Um, we will not talk about our trauma um, other than very vague details or like very vague um, on what our trauma was and and things like that. 
And um, so having those guidelines is a really good way to make sure that um, you're protected and um, that your words aren't going to be misconstrued. Because working with the media, uh, it can be hard, especially because a lot of people with DID have trouble saying no. And a lot of times, sometimes people in the media can be pushy. Um, so I think it's really important uh, to not sign any contracts with media as, unless uh, you're positive and you've looked through it and even have like somebody who knows about law look through it and make sure that um, you know exactly what their goal is in creating these articles. Um, and just if you get, even if you get a bad vibe and you don't feel like it's going to be a good fit, there's no shame in saying no. Um, because the last thing that we need is more sensationalization and especially at the expense of somebody who's just trying to educate and help people understand better. That's so true and really, really good advice. Yeah. Um, I, we're actually to do a, a video on that as well as, um, present maybe at the next healing together conference on working with the media as somebody with DID, uh, because we want to help people who want to educate better, um, understand how to set boundaries with the media and things like that. So you're going to be there again next year? Yes. Yeah, we will definitely be there next year. Um, since we live in Orlando, uh, it makes it a lot easier for us to be able to go. So um, we're going to be there next year. And then hopefully we, with any time in the future, we're going to be there. That's what we want to be. Um able to do is continuously go because it's been such a good and helpful experience for us i'm so glad oh thank you for talking to me is there anything else you wanted to share or tell us about did um i just want to say that um to any systems out there who are still learning about themselves and trying to understand um their system and things like that, that you're not alone. And there is a community out here that wants to support you and wants to be there for you. Um, and that I hope you continue to learn things um, about yourself and your system and find ways that you and your system can work together in life and work as a team. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so glad we were finally able to do this. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. Your support of the podcast, the workbooks, and the community means so much to us as we try to create something together that's never been done before. Not like this. Connection brings healing. And you can join us on the community at www.systemspeakcommunity.com. We'll see you there.